uh, preachers will point out that, you know, Jesus was probably born in the spring, etc., etc. But it is a great time of the year, too, as uh, Andy was talking about, to consider um, the world we live in uh, is so different than the world that existed 2,000 years ago, where uh, women were treated as property, where children were treated as un unfortunate side effects of uh, marriage and love, um, where, you know, we, we think it's not a good thing for people to go hungry, and, you know, we're doing the things that we're doing, and I know all of us are involved in different ways um, with the community. Hopefully, we spread that joy to the world around us. Joy to the world is ultimately about what we do here every Sunday, which is Jesus rescues us from death. Because, you know, one of the things that, you know, talking with Joy last night that, you know, he was saying, you know, at some point, you know, we all have to leave. And, you know, uh, my my prayer is that, that that's not true right now for uh, anyone in his family. But the point of it is, as Christians, we, we do not perish. We do not die. And that's because of Jesus Christ. And that's the, that's the hope we hold on to. That's the reason we do everything. And so while Christmas has become more of a tradition than a worship of Jesus, I hope that every Sunday where we remember his life and his death in the Lord's Supper, that it is a celebration of Jesus, but then also maybe uh, this time of year as people are willing to hear about Jesus that we can spread the joy that we have and we can tell the stories of all the, the things that Christ has done for us. Um, and as a church, that is our calling, by the way. Our calling is not to be blessed and then live happily ever after. Our calling is to be blessed and thereby bless the world around us. The reason that husbands get married to wives and wives get married to husbands and husbands and wives have children is not just so that they can be blessed, but so that I can bless my wife. I can bless my children. And God says, if, you, if as a husband you can't bless your wife, then I'm not going to bless you. And that was always God's plan for His people when it, was just the, when it was just the Israelites, his plan was always, I'm going to bless you not just because I chose you, but I'm going to bless you so that all the nations of the world will know about me because of you. We'll have a special relationship and the rest of the world will know that I am the real and only God, the creator of the universe, giver of life, full of, of mercy and forgiveness, and, and wanting to do good things for those created in my image. Now, the fact is, as a church, we have this mission. We have a mission that when people walk in the door, that they see people that love each other. That when they see us out in the world, that they see someone who walks with the joy of the Lord. Someone who gives grace to the people around them for no other reason than that's what my Lord does and did. But if you think you're just going to go through your life 
and do the things God has called you to do, well, you've probably already discovered there's a couple of problems with that. Most of us sitting here this morning, if not all of us, have something we're called to. And if you answer that call, you're going to be blessed beyond measure by answering God's call. But if you think the evil one is just going to sit back and let you do that and not cause you any problems, you're incredibly naive. You need to read your Bible because that's not the way it works. And so a lot of times we default on what God has called us to do, and we have a lot of reasons to default on those things, a lot of reasons we think are valid reasons. And I want to challenge some of those this morning. I can only speak from personal experience, and I don't want to go into great detail, but when God called me to ministry, I'm like, hey, I don't know, but that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. And he's done things in my life that are frankly, you know, it, it would take sitting down and talking about. God's made it clear to me, and I know he's made it clear to you what God wants out of you. Maybe it's, it's probably not to go into ministry. Maybe it is. But God's called you to something. And when God calls you to something, what you're going to find out is that it may not go the way you want it to go. You know, one of my chief objections to being called to ministry is, you know, well, just my personality. Plus, I don't have that preacher thing going on, you know, that I see other, other preachers talk like this, and they speak of the Word, and they do these hand, and I can't do any of that. So what, I'm just a guy. What a, I'm not the right guy for this job. Plus, if you've met me, you probably go, wow, that, that guy's interesting. <laughs> and so are these things that disqualify me? No. Um, to the contrary, to the contrary, and th those things are what I, I want to tackle today. The, the things about me, the things about the work, the things about the people with whom we're working, all of us called, all those objections Satan's going to put into place, all those blocks he's going to put to make you go, no, you know what, I must have imagined all that, that can't be what God wants. Because we're all facing that on some level. All of us are being called to things and we're like, that doesn't make sense. The fact that it doesn't make sense is all the more reason why you're called to do the things God has called you to do. And frankly, I don't know what those are for each one of you. I only know what they are for me. So the slide behind me should say, objection number one, I'm not in the best situation. You know, this isn't really a good time. You know, I really don't think, like, if God were wanting me to do that, surely some other, some other things would be true, and these other things uh, wouldn't be true. You know, I, I'm sitting in California, and I'm, you know, deciding what to do, and, you know, there's so many barriers between me and a degree in, in Bible, and I just don't see any way around it. I'm just like, you know what, God? Sorry, but first of all, I'm near 40. Oh, I'm over, well over that now, although you hardly know it. I'm near 40. Um, I would have to move completely across the country. I'd have to come up with the tuition. There's no way I can do all that stuff. Fast forward a few months later, and I'm sitting in class in Searcy, Arkansas, because 
God makes things happen that I can't make happen. If you're willing to answer the call, and I'm not saying I've done everything uh, right, certainly not. Uh, even, you know, up till today, I'm still getting things wrong. But that's not the point. The point is God is greater than that. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 12. This is Paul writing about the hard things he's been through. About his situation not being the best. Well, you know, I'd like to preach God's Word, but right now I don't even have clothes or food or you know, there's other things I need to take care of. And, but Paul's saying, look, I've matured to the point where I don't let those things hamper my ministry. They don't get in the way. He says in Philippians 4, verse 12, I know how to be brought low. Do you know how to be brought low, by the way? Do you know how to do it? Do you know how to be brought low? Do you even know what that means? How to be brought low is how to have everything go haywire and everyone in your mind being against you, and everything not being the way it should be. Do you know how to do that? A mature Christian knows how to do this. And I know how to abound. Do you know how to abound? When things are going wrong, do you turn away from God? Or do you turn toward God? When things are going right, do you thank God? Or you go, you know what? I'm not sure I need God that well right now because I'm doing fine. Right? It's difficult to be brought low and it's difficult to, be, to abound. Satan will use both of those things to turn you away from God. He says, Paul continues to say, in, every, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and of facing hunger, of facing abundance in my life and facing need. And here's the secret. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. This is the key to Paul's ministry. He's been shipwrecked. shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been treated like a god, literally. He's, he's had the whole run of different ways of being treated. He was, he's been called a murderer, which he was. Why would you call on a murderer, God? I mean, of all the people to go out there, who's going to listen to the Christian killer? <laughs> of all the people you're going to pick, how about don't pick the professional Christian hunter? That's just a thought. You know, I surely there's got to be more qualified people who don't have a history of killing Christians. What are you doing? This makes no sense. He says, here's my key, Philippians 4.13, I can do everything because Christ gives me strength. Whatever it is that God's calling you to do, whatever's wrong with your situation, the truth of it is, if you can't see a link between where you are now and where you feel God is calling you to be, if you say to this mountain, be moved into the sea, and you ask it my will in my name, and if it's according to God's will, it will be done. Do you believe that or don't you? Is this Bible God's word, or is it just a bunch of neat sayings that someone came up with? That's something you have to decide right now. 
So the next thing I'm going to look at is I'm not capable. You know what? I'm just not capable. Well, we could look at what Paul said, but I want to go back farther than that into the Psalms. You guys can't see the slides here. Psalm 34. And we're going to read quite a bit of this because these aren't new problems. These aren't new issues. There's the world we see around us. There's the self we see. There's reality as we see it, but there's a truer, eternal reality beyond that, where that is not how you look, where that is not how the world looks. God's asking you to see an eternity with a loving Creator Father who every nanosecond of every day is deeply involved in every single thing that happens on this planet. That's the reality that we need to see if we're going to do God's work. Psalm 34, starting in verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. Is that something we do, by the way? Do you thank God when things are going sideways? When you're facing hunger instead of abundance? When you're facing ridicule instead of praise? When you're facing failure instead of success? Do you thank God in all those circumstances? It can be challenging, and that's something at which I've failed. But God's teaching me, bless the Lord at all times, because God is good. And because all the time, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. You know, I was just talking about this with a couple of brothers yesterday. Why is it that we can't boast in ourselves? We can't say, Steve's awesome. Why can't I say Steve's awesome? Has God not done things for me? Well, my boast should be in the Lord. And that is my boast. Because left to my own devices, I'm a knucklehead. But thank God for all the work that He's put into me. Thank you, Lord. For all the things you've done to me. And thank you, Lord, for all the things you've done to all of your children. Amen? And I will boast. And I will say, you know what? I am pretty cool. Not because I'm inherently cool or that I've made good decisions. But the Lord loves me. And so, yeah, I'm cool. I'm a pretty good guy. Why can't we say that? If we, if we give credit where credit is due. I've messed up my life. But God is bigger than all of that. And He's made me into this person I am today. Thank you, Lord. I will boast in you. Not in myself, but in you. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt His name together, which we just did. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. And He delivered me from all my fears, which He will do. Perfect love drives out fear. Fear is the biggest obstacle to, to what God has called you to do. And in my life... Fear has been the number one obstacle from Satan using that to keep me from the things God has called me to. God will deliver you from all your fears. Those who look to Him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. If you're a Christian, you can't walk around, oh, you know, I tried this week. It just didn't seem to do well enough. Tried to be a good person, but... I just, I just can't see. No, that is not how Christians walk around. 
That is not why joy to the world. Jesus has come to earth so that we can be cleansed of our sins. Our hearts and our consciousness can be clean and we can look to the Lord and say, my boast is not in myself, but my boast is in you. I had a great week because God is with me and every time I get in the way, God's love for me is stronger than my mistakes. I hope you will see that. Verse 6, the poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from out of all of his troubles. Now, a health and wealth preacher will say, if you just believe, if you just give all your money, if you just do it, then you will have... You know what? God's going to bless some people with riches, but you notice he delivered the poor man out of all of his troubles. That may not look like what you think it should look like. That doesn't mean this poor man went on a game show and won fabulous prizes and cash. It means the Lord delivered him in the best way that the Lord delivers people. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers, and delivers them. Do you believe that? Something my daughter asked me. If you look through the Bible, yeah. God has agents at work in this world for your good. Does that mean anything to you? Verse 8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And that's just it. Have you tasted? You know, sometimes it, all of you have had kids. You try to get your kids to try foods, and sometimes they're just like, eh, that's not happening. That just seems weird. And then they try it, and they're like, that is awesome. Yeah. Have you tasted the Lord to see that he's good? Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. And again, this doesn't mean fear like, ah, oh, I'm afraid God's going to get me. No, it means recognize that of all the powers that you think can get you, of all the things you think can go wrong in your life, none of those have any power compared to the power of God. So if you're trying to pick whom to please today, don't pick anyone but God and things will fall in his place. Verse 11, come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you fear of the Lord, which means respect for his power. What man is there who desires life? Do you like living? I do. And loves many days that he may see good. Well, then keep your tongue from evil and keep your lips from lying. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Go after peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We're called to bring peace. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. Righteous, by the way, means doing good things. Did you know that? Righteousness doesn't mean avoiding bad things. Righteousness means doing good things. So if you think, if I just hide in my closet then everything will be good. I won't make the Lord mad. Well, hiding in your closet is not what God had planned for you. Which is a challenge. Verse 16, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. God wants evil people destroyed to the point where no one even remembers they ever existed. When the righteous cry for help, however, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Has the Lord delivered you out of all your troubles? Well, He's delivered me out of each trouble. 
that I've run into, but does that mean I live a trouble-free life? Did Jesus live a trouble-free life? No. Because to really be like God, that means to do work for people that God loves, even when they don't deserve it. So you will have trouble in this world until Jesus redeems this world. Our job is to make sure that as many people as possible are redeemed instead of cut off from all memory. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I've seen this. I've experienced this. When you're brokenhearted, when your spirit's crushed, a lot of times people lose hope. At a very minimum, they're going to turn away from what God has called them to. And here's where the rubber meets the road. Do you believe that God is near to those who are brokenhearted, or do you think you're alone? Do you believe that when your spirit is crushed, that God will save you? Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Did you hear that? The righteous suffer many afflictions, but God saves them. Each affliction that Satan puts on us is just another opportunity for God to show his goodness. And is that the way you look at affliction? If it's not, then you haven't learned what Paul learned from experience and from reading the Psalms. Being righteous means God is near you all the time, suffering with you. But He will deliver you each and every time, and He will glorify you each and every time. In this world, you either grow or you die. You can't stay where you are. And so the, the afflictions that come upon the righteous, God will use that to make you into the person eventually that God means you to be. He keeps all of His bones, the righteous one, not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of His servants. None of those who take refuge in Him will be condemned. That's just one psalm. There's so much wisdom from those who've come before us. Remember who the Lord is. Don't let these obstacles turn you away. You know, we were studying this morning. How is it that the Israelites time and time again turn away from God? Well, here's my better question. Why is it that time and time again you turn away from God? I turn away from God. Why? Same reasons. Because when things start to get complicated or difficult or we start having affliction, suddenly we forget who God is. Same as the Israelites. And we have to do better than that because our Lord deserves it. And frankly, so do you and I. All right. Another objection people has is that the obstacles and enemies are too many. And I would apologize that we're going to be reading so much today, but it's God's Word. What else did you come expecting? Hopefully God's Word. Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 21. Basically, Isaiah is saying, do you not know what's going on here? I know bad things are about to happen. 
This is the context of Isaiah saying these things. He's saying to Hezekiah, look, I know bad things are going to happen, but remember who the Lord is. Isaiah 40, verse 21. Do you not know? Do you have ears? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not always heard this? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? This has always been true. This always will be true. It is God who sits above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants, you and I, are like grasshoppers. God stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. He brings princes down to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Powerful people are insignificant insects compared to the power of God. Not that God doesn't care about them, but they have no power. See the world as it truly is. Scarcely are they planted, barely sown. Scarcely has their stem started to take root in the earth when God just blows on them and they wither and the storm carries them off like stubble. All these powerful people you see in the world, that's not who they are. This has always been true. It is God who is powerful and those of us who are adopted sons of God, are, by extension, powerful. To whom then will you compare me? Who do you want to make me like? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and see. Look up. Who created all this? He who brings out their their host by number, calling each one of them by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. So why do you say, people of God, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Translating that, does God even realize what's going on? That's what they're saying. How can you say that? How can you say that? God knows everything that's going on. Do you know God or don't you? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't lose his strength and need to take a break. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. He doesn't faint. He gives power to those who do faint. And to him who has no strength, God gives his strength. Even young people get tired and run out of energy. And young men fall down exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord will regain their strength. And they'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and they will not grow tired. They'll walk and they will not faint. When the obstacles and the enemies seem like too much, I just can't do it. Look at all this. Same thing. Do you know who God is or not? You're going to let these things turn you back from what God has called you to? Then you, don't, you do not understand who God is. You just fail to understand. And you can look back on the Israelites. Oh, the Israelites were so dumb. God was with them the whole time. Looking back on your life, 
When you turn away, people could say the same thing about you and about me. Did they not see all that God has done? Have they not seen God's goodness? Have they not seen that God is good all the time? Next objection is, you know, I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not one of those spiritual people. You know, people say, you know, Steve, you're obviously you're a counselor. You like to talk about feelings. No, first of all, I'm a human. I don't like talking about feelings. <laughs> Secondly, I'm a guy. I mean, that's a bit of a stereotype. But most guys I know don't like to talk about their feelings. I've seen the necessity of it. That's true. I've, I've learned the wisdom of speaking the truth in love, but I don't like talking about it. But, you know, some people say, I just don't have that spiritual mindset. Well, what does that even mean? You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not one of those touchy-feely people. I'm not one of those higher concept people. What does that even mean? What does it even mean? You are who God made you. And if God calls you to the work, God calls you to the work. End of story. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 23. Maybe you don't think of yourself as eloquent or spiritual, or emotionally intelligent, or, or grown up, or whatever you think you have to be. It doesn't take expertise to do God's work. It only takes the Son of God. We're not, us in our bodies, the way things are now, in a world that's falling apart because of sin, that's faulted, deteriorating because of sin, that's not something that our spirit likes. Verse 23, not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, those, those teasers, those first things that the Spirit is going to do, we groan inwardly. Do we not? We groan inwardly. This is not right. As we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and for the redemption of these bodies. And that hits all of us, no matter what you see yourself as. You have the Spirit of God in you if you're baptized in Christ. And these are things you feel and you understand. Because in this hope, this hope of the redemption of our bodies, that hope saved us. Now, hope that we already see, that's not hope. Because who hopes for something that's already there? I hope I have an iPad soon. Oh, here it is. I don't hope for an iPad. I got it right here. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Because we don't even know what to pray or how to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for mere words. And the one who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit? Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to God's will. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. If you're called to God's purpose, if you're doing the work God has put you to do, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to understand everything. You have to go where you're called and do what you're called to do. 
And the fact that you don't even know how to pray or what you should pray for, anything like that, the Spirit intercedes for you. You don't need to be a spiritual person to have the Spirit in you. Right? There's any, someone who seems very spiritual probably just has a way of communicating that says that more. We were talking again in class this morning. My dad had to drop out of uh, his sophomore year in high school because his brothers were all off fighting World War II, and he was the oldest one left. But to say that my dad didn't have a bunch of wisdom to give me, that he wasn't an incredibly intelligent man, spiritually intelligent man, that's just not true. Right? We're spiritual if we have the Spirit of God in us. And there are scholars who know so much about the Bible, who know every language ever used in the Bible, but just somehow have never come to understand that Jesus Christ is the risen Son of God. It's not about how I seem. It's not how about other people see me. It's not about how I see myself. It's how God sees me, and the Spirit intercedes. Last point, I'm not strong enough. I'm not strong enough. That's the biggest objection, right? I just, I can't get this done. Have you seen my previous work, God? <laughs> not, not exactly your star pupil here, God. These things that are happening, I've reached my limit. I, I'm just, you need someone who's a stronger, better person to do this work. Whatever that work is. That's where Satan brings us to. And the important thing here is not how other people see you. It's how you see yourself. And this is a lesson I've learned sharply in recent weeks. It's not how other people see you. How do you see you? Do you see you the way God sees you? Because God made you to be the way you are. And God has called you to the things He's called you to. It doesn't matter how anything else is seen. It only matters how God sees things because God is truth. Are you with me on this? Whatever all these objections are, those are not God's objections. Those are how Satan is going to keep you individually and us collectively from bringing joy and peace and love and freedom and fullness and clothing and kindness and mercy to the world around us. He's going to try to stop us from doing that so people do not taste the goodness of the Lord. So let's be clear about this. We're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul, as I mentioned earlier on in the sermon, says, you know, if you're going to send somebody to go take the gospel to the Greeks, how about not picking the Christian murderer? That seems a little bit of a disqualification. Also, I seem to have some issues. I have so many issues. Pick anyone else but me. 
He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, here's what's really going on. Here's why I don't seem strong enough to me. You know why? Because I'm not. So to keep me, verse 7, from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Paul had been shown things that I don't know that anyone else has seen. Because God was trying to keep me from being conceited, a thorn was given me in the flesh, an angel of Satan or a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, you know what? My grace is enough. You don't need more. Because here's the deal. My power is only perfectly executed in your weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weakness. I'm not ashamed of the things that are wrong with me. I will boast of the things that are wrong with me. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ then, I am fine with my weakness. I'm fine with insults. I'm fine with hardships. I'm, I'm fine with people coming after me and persecuting me. I'm fine with disasters. Because when I'm weak, that's when I'm truly strong. We have to, we should just have this on repeat on our phones, you know? Are you content with God, who God made you? Are you content with your life? Are you content with abundance and with, with uh, a need? Are you, are you content with peace and calamity? Are you content with praise and persecution? If not, guess who controls you? The evil one. Because the evil one can always trick someone into persecuting you. The evil one can always trick someone into putting you down. The evil one can always trick someone into taking things from you. The evil one has control over all those things because God allows him control in this world. It's very complicated. But you understand, the fallen world we live in if you can't be content in all those things and understand, I'm exactly who God wants me to be and I'm going to boast in all the things that are wrong with me. I'm not going to let people tell me, no, not you. Not you. Not you, Christian killer. Not you. Look at, you don't, you don't seem anything like. Look at, how, look at how much you've failed. Look at what's wrong with you. I'm not going to let any of that happen to me because, yes, all that's true. But because I am weak, God's glory is shown in me. And that's how I'm going to do God's work. That's how we all have to do God's work. Amen? And, you know, it, it can shame us when we understand how Satan uses those things to keep us from proudly and bravely going forward and doing the work that God has called us to do, saying, I already have victory because of Him who strengthens me. You're right. I don't have any ability to do these things, and I don't see how any of it can get done, but I know my Lord and what He's called me to, God will fulfill. Amen? If you're not a Christian this morning, if you've abdicated the work God has given you, repent. 
If you need prayers of the church this morning, if you have a praise, we could all use a praise. And God has done so much good in our lives. Share that with us. If you have a need, if you have a praise, if you want to be baptized this morning, please come forward. Let us pray and praise with you or baptize you while we stand and while we sing this song.